topic um, is devotion. 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 Maybe possibly my favorite mm-hmm. topic. That was that was that was my soul vow for a couple of years. I think it was yours as well, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was my key of action. Okay. Surrender, right? Was surrender your soul vow? Surrender was also a key of action. My soul vow has mostly been love. <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe, maybe most- some other words that mean love, and then I, and then my key of action changes. Well, that's the thing. And, and we're not, of course, going to get into the E word, um, but soul vow and essence, it, it, there's like two layers there. So sometimes when people do the soul vow journey, they actually land right in essence, right? Which is why you're not going to up-level love. <laughs> you're just going to get different keys of action to it because yeah. that's, it's really your essence. And um, soul vow is sort of like um, the, the sister to it. It's, it's for many people, they land in their essence when they do the soul vow journey. And oftentimes soul vow is the word that describes the feeling of your essence. So I just, I, I love the whole journey and progression with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, yes, devotion was a kind of like the lantern or the place to, you know, fix my gaze was on devotion and it would bring me immediately back into that feeling of contentment, of bliss, of equanimity, of whatever any of those words resonate with you uh, and, and for me that was the experience of love and continues to be the experience of love. So I love devotion. All right. So let's break it down, friends. Remember the intention of this, of these uh, four conversations around exceptional relationships, the keys for exceptional relationships is we had the first key already last week and that was intention. And so maybe some of you um, got to explore what is your intention um, for yourself, your son kalpa. It could be your soul vow. It could be your essence, right? So they, 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 they just flow together so beautifully. And devotion is that next step, that next piece. And our aim is to have a conversation with you just about, well, what is intention on the level of individual in the role as a parent, in the role of partnership and in the role of sacred friendship. And the same now goes for devotion. So we'll, we'll do our very best to weave it in through those four very simply put categories of relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and devotion is one of those things, like for me, I think what I love the most about devotion is it's an opportunity to get really creative uh, in the ways that you kind of show up and in relationship. Um, You know, I I love things that that teeter on um, ritual or whatever word, ceremony, whatever word you have for that in your life. Like I I can be very much a creature of habit and routine in, in an intentional way and devotion can fit right in there. You know, I, something that is like, I, I feel so loved and cherished and, um, seen is when Matt brings me coffee in bed in the morning. 
simple act of devotion, it feels like a, a ritual or an offering or a something like, oh my God, it's just, it, it starts my day instantly feeling loved and, um, and appreciated and cared about. So it doesn't necessarily have to be big, uh, big grand gestures of devotion it, for me. Anyway, it's the, it's those little things. Um, and we're not going to be able to talk about devotion without talking about love languages. No, um, I was already like there. That <laughs> yeah. um, do you have a, 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 an operational definition of devotion that covers like, that just covers it all for you? I would probably need a minute to think about that one. Um, not that's coming like right into my mind. Uh, you know, love in action. <laughs> it really is. It's, it's um, for me, and I haven't distilled it down into its simplest tattoo worthy definition. However, for me, what it's linked to is I, I love that phrase by Byron Katie. And now, I'll say it and please know friends that you can substitute any word for the sentence is going to have the word husband in it. You can separate, you can swap in wife. You can swap in housemate. You can swap in child. You can swap in yourself. Okay. So, um, but the essence of it is um, you're, you're living with God in disguise, disguised as your husband. So, Again, it, 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 it's, it's, it's bring, for me, devotion always brings me back to who really is the apparent other. Mm. And when I remember, <laughs> it's a game changer. It's a game changer on every level, on literally every level. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it links back to what, I mentioned last week that also deeply moves me and connects to both intention and devotion. And that is to make no mistake about it, that everyone in your life is already awake and they're just here to wake you up, me up. <laughs> so that coupled with the experience, the felt sensations of devotion, when I'm in my right mind of who the apparent other really is, Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep, God in drag. Exactly. Exactly. Ram Das coined that. Was just that's it. You're living with everyone is God in drag. And you are most certainly living with God in drag. Um, one of the things that I also think is really useful is to break down what isn't devotion. Sometimes we can look at what ways of being might we convince ourselves or want to believe are devotional. And underneath it, we may start to discover, oh, actually, that was my people pleasing, right. or that was, or that was fawning, or that was an attempt to. Uh, there was an in order to there. You know, I'll do this transactional. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you could speak a little bit about about that. There's there's some wonky quotes out there about devotion. Like if you really start looking. Um, yeah. And, you know, by, by wonderful, brilliant, well-intended, well-minded people, sometimes they think things get lost in translation too. And we're, 
translating what something, something someone said in another language into English. Um, devotion is not like, uh, you know, surrendering your well-being and autonomy for someone else. I know there's some stuff out there. It's like devotion is putting everyone else's needs above your own. Um, (laughs) Sounds like not a good plan. Um, And I think that, you know, time and language can shift the way that those things are you know, presented in, in a modern context. Sometimes it's not exactly what was said by blah, 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 way back when. Um, so anything around that, anything around like that kind of martyrdom or, you know, sublime self-sacrifice in order to show up for someone else before yourself, that's not devotion. You know, for me, it's like, um, devotion is like, tending to the garden every single day. And, you know, it's, it's something that you get, that you get to do and, um, and that you're present and you feel good while you're doing it. And afterwards, there isn't a hint of that resentment or, you know, you're not like, well, I just spent two hours in the garden and I better get 65 carrots or else this was not worth it. You know, you don't go into it with that mindset. You're just like, oh, I'm tending, I'm tending, I'm tending. I'm showing up every day to take care of this amazing gift that I've been entrusted with. And what will be, will be, what will grow, will grow. And, and what I found is that the level of devotion and the growth sometimes comfortable, sometimes not comfortable are pretty even. Mm, I like that. Oh, that was beautifully said. Um, for me also, there's an element of outside of the mental body in devotion. It's a literal heartfelt experience, which, is, it can, which exists in the most simplest moments. Um, I like, I loved the, the, the something that you shared, um, was a, was a series of what intimacy is like what intimacy. And I think that that list equally could have been titled what devotion. Mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. But I want you to do the fun word game that you do with that word. Oh, oh, which one? Intimacy. Oh, I didn't make it up. It was, there was a movie. There was a movie. Really? Really- It was a movie made by like James Twyman, I think, and Neil Donald Walsh was in it just briefly in into into me see the word intimacy is into me see. Um, So I didn't coin that. It's just I just thought that was so brilliant Um, because it really it that that's it. That's so it to be on a journey of seeing one another. Yeah. Yeah. And the embodied feeling of being seen like. And again, like you were just saying, outside of the thinking and the mental body and like the analyzing, like it it literally is this embodied feeling of being seen um, in fullness, 100% by someone else. And Uh, simultaneously wanting to see the other outside of your views, your perceptions, your opinions, your assumptions, and your thoughts. And I think that's where relationships can get stagnant with our children, with ourself, with our partners, with our friendships, is if we 
keep alive who they were. If we keep running the commentary and keep describing them in the same way that we're used to them occurring, they can only show up the same. That for me is the prison that we put others in. Mm. And we let people out of the prison in our mind. When we see through the eye of the heart, we feel through the eye of the heart and we feel through the ears of the heart like literally our eyes closed. And when we remember that newness and it requires presence, it really requires in that state, in that space of presence, there isn't a dialogue running. There just isn't. And in that seeing that you're, that you're describing is again, a felt direct experience. And I want you friends to understand when I say felt, I don't mean feelings in my world. There's thoughts, there's emotion, there's whatever you're thinking and believing true, creating a corresponding emotion. Just work with the word emotion, throw the word feelings out the window. Because when we mix up even the word emotions and feelings, like they're kind of synonyms, but then it takes away from what life is actually about and it's through a felt direct experience. Life occurs for us through the, through the feeling of sensations in our body, which then creates a corresponding vibration. So when we, de devotion moves us out of the story and the description into the literal felt sensations, that's where life is alive. That's where we're embodied. And that's where our enthusiasm flows from. And you get to devotion has an enthusiasm to it. It has some crumph. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, that's what I was attempting to make come out of my mouth in the beginning. It's like it gives this spark of um of like of just creative fire, of of being so excited about ways to to show and express and to be in that state of devotion you know no matter what is going on in like this grand play of of being human like just get to like get creative and and fun and playful with being in devotion too um, and i it's so fun and in my world the portal to devotion is the eyes it's funny in our, when we get so in the routine with our family members and, or our partners or our friends, and even with quote stranger, the swiftest in my experience, the swiftest portal to that sacred space of who the other really is, that portal to devotion is through eye contact. And it doesn't have to be done in a weird way where you're like, let me see your eyes. Like let's no. hold hands and stare at each other. You me see. <laughs> it does it, like you can do it. Nobody has to know. However, when you look for others' eyes, like it can be done gently, and that connection happens. I'm, that is one of the most powerful portals to the heart. And and people feel 
seen. They do, they feel seen. And you can, you can ask anyone anything from the place of the heart. And that for me is, is that's my, my, my favorite expression of devotion. I love meeting people that I probably won't see again and just learning a little bit about them and having like the most profound intimate exchanges. That for me is, is devotion. Mm. And then we say goodbye because I'm, I, I just checked out my groceries. <laughs> Next thing, moving on. <laughs> yep. So that, just go on. And you've had this like, that devotion stays with that person, you know, and, and we've all kind of experienced that to some level, like you have an exchange using the example from the grocery store and it's quick and then that's it. We move on. And yet the energy is still there. Like, you know, you've had that moment with something. It's so profoundly uplifting. I feel so elevated with those micro intimacies, those micro devotionals. Mm -hmm. Like they really stay with me, like like vastly. Like my whole vibration feels different. Um, you just get to fall in love with everyone. What we're here to do and be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and 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 then there's the other levels, right? Of like, you know fall in love, have a moment with a total stranger. That's, that's really quick. It's likely that that relationship, because it lasted 30 seconds, isn't going to then create a squeeze in your life where you then get to play with, oh, can I show up in devotion still? when this person has poked all the buttons that I have or has done the thing for the 16th time that I've asked them not to do. And, and that's where I, you know, for me, I get to watch myself deepen into that and deepen into that. Um, and, and to recognize that on the other side of those squeezes is, just this whole new layer of being with one another. Um, and, and that's something that took me a while to learn. You know, I, I remember, I think like fairy tales and, and love stories and movies, they do us this big disservice because what do we see? Everything just being smooth sailing, everything being like the newness of a relationship, everything being that courtship that, um, you know, putting on your best, outfit in manners and going out to dinner. Uh, and it's easy to stay easier to stay in that level of devotion with someone that it's like quick in and out. Um, and it, and it's a whole other ball game when that person has, I don't know what, uh, you get into the car and the gas tank is empty and you're like, oh, why did they not fill up the gas tank? I don't want to get gas. They know what I don't like to get gas. Right. And can you still show up and, and tap into that devotional energy, like the embody, embodied feeling of devotion when, when someone's pissing you off? <laughs> exactly. And this is for me, the, the, 
can. No, okay, I was feeling something touching my leg. I didn't just want to know what it was. <laughs> but it was nothing. Oh. So, moving on. Um, I, um, I, for me, this is the, the, the crux of the why. It's so important to know your intention or to know the soul vow of, uh, for yourself as an individual and in relationship with your children and in relationship with a partner and in friendship. Because it's in those squeezes that the devotion is not to the person. It's to the fulfillment of your intention. Mm-hmm. And life is giving us those squeezes to work us. Like when I'm squeezed, I'm burning. Literally pissed or something. <laughs> There's a lot of heat. There's, And I can either burn and do like a flamethrower. Right, 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 where you do harm to uh, to another with words or a look or whatever, or you allow that burn to cook you, and ask yourself like, what you know, like for me, I have my my checklist of questions. What is it that there is for me to give up right now? Is it is it arrogance? Is it being right? Because I know my foreness. I know my egoic tendencies. I know my destructive mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So. In devotion, it means surfacing consciously for me internally. What am I up against right now that's within me? That's within me. And sometimes, like, like those, so those are my ego tendencies. I have no problem speaking truthfully. That's not my work. <laughs> However, for some people, a relationship will be in your life to bring you to the devotion of your voice, for mm-hmm. example to bring you to the devotion of your truthfulness, to bring you to the devotion of your, your self-expression. And that's why you may have a jerk in your life, <laughs> right? Not for you to fawn over and, you know, try to like, like navigate a nightmare, but to, to, to get you like snapped into your, a clear mind and a powerful voice. Yeah, because what's at stake? you know, what's at stake is, is the intention that you have that you're holding together. And, and if you can't move through that squeeze and learn whatever it is or untangle, whatever there is to untangle. And we all have these things. I mean, like, this is not like, Oh, I did that work. I'm done with it. Like I'm doing this work every single day. And, um, and recognizing like in those blind spots or in those habits that we fall into um, that we're risking uh, a relationship's integrity. We're risking a relationship's intention if we aren't willing and able to like show up and grow through it and learn what there is to learn and stay rooted in that devotion to your intention. Um. And relationship will grow you. If worked with properly, it's to grow you to your freedom and to grow you to deepen in your truthfulness, right? The abode of the of truth is the heart. Again, all comes back to devotion and that heart felt experience and clarity. And for me, another form of devotion is continual self-inquiry, continual um, self-reflection, continual self-awareness, because I, and I shared this with you before, it always moves me to tears. Like my worst nightmare would be to stay stagnant in my egoic tendencies. 
because I could get comfortable in that. Who could be? Yeah, sure. You because there's either the path of truth or comfort. So if you sidebar to comfort, for me, that is the epitome of stealing another person's life. And like my worst nightmare would be to wake up 10 years from now, only to discover I sidebarred, I took a side road into 10 years of comfort, like in Percy Jackson, like they go to like, they go to Vegas and we just <laughs> one night in the casino, right? It was the modern adaptation of Greek mm-hmm. Um, was 30 years of earth life. They, they were just one night, right? And 30 years had actually gone by. So for me, like I, if I stay in my work, Christopher's got the truth. He's got the truthfulness. He doesn't mm-hmm. have the full self playing because I, I, it would break my heart, just break my heart to be entrusted. You're entrusted in every relationship we're in yeah. to discover that I had stolen 10 years of his life. Now that all may sound dramatic, friends. Yet for me, I'm a four, I'm a I'm drunk. <laughs> So that motive, I work it. So it motivates me and I love it. I love Um, that you keep sneaky dipping into Enneagram. We're like, we're not going to talk about it, but we're just going to keep dropping words like fours and fives and nines and mm, fuck it up. La, 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 la. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, and this is what, you know, like, again, I go back to, you know, movies, fairy tales they give us this false sense because we just see a little snippet we just see like and we only typically see the beginning and um and the honeymoon period and and the super sweetness that that exists in that in that space and and believe me I love that space it's a beautiful space to be in and yet what I have realized um is that the the deep learning for me wasn't able to happen in those like new kind of dating scenarios because we're still in that, like you're only bringing a couple of your archetypes to the table. <laughs> like you're, you're not showing up as the mega bitch who's like lost her mind. Cause she's hungry and can't find her other shoe. Like you're not showing up with that archetype. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and And there's a cautiousness, you know, there's a, it's not necessarily having your guard up. And sometimes it is depending on what experience you've had in relationship, but you're extra vigilant about what you present in the beginning. Um, And as our vigilance is connected to our deepest um, worries and concerns, right? Like we put our best self, like my deep worry concern of the three universals was being abandoned, being left out, be, you know, being left. So, so my false self would appear so that you, so that the person doesn't leave you. I mean, that's like, that's like, that's innocent. Yeah. So at one point I would have Christopher say to me when we were saying goodbye, like, goodbye, I love you. And I might leave you like for, I know, right. For like probably a year that was, that was like, I, asked, he was, he was, so great about it. <laughs> it was early on too. <laughs> uh-huh. I love you. Wow. Uh, baby doll. And I might leave you. I was like, oh, 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 I can barf. <laughs> 
how would that work? Like for me, it's, it's unworthiness, right? So like not being good enough for someone, I can't even imagine if Matt was like, bye, I love you. You might not be good enough for me. Peace um, out. You know, it would be like in more playful moments. Cause again, there was a playfulness and a trust, like, you know, like he, yes. he was holding my heart in the, in the like, oh, and I might leave you. Then it got ridiculous and funny. So like, I could imagine Matt saying like, you know, like, like, honey, how did you like that meal? Not mm. your best. Thank you. Not your best. <laughs> no, I'm not like Fair to middling. <laughs> I didn't barf. And delicious and thank you, right? Because it just brings up, I love it. It brings up to the surface our samskaras. And that's the point of relationships. One of the points is that we attract the perfect people to poke, 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 poke at our stuff. So let's work with it consciously. And of course it's done with love. Like, of course it's done. You know, like it could be a bold faced lie. Like, oh my God, like that eh, was fair, fair to mediocre genie. Like, and then like, no, I'm just kidding. It was amazing. Right. Just so you get the experience of the, do I care or not? And then, and then it worked itself out where um, it, the, the sensations in my body when he would say like, and I might leave you change. That's what I was tracking. I was tracking the sensations in my body when he said it, even, even though it was a, a joke, not joke. Like mm -hmm. I want to get fixated or attached into the false belief that this is promised or assured because that can happen in relationships. People get married and then all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I got um, the person. Now it can just all go to bleh. <laughs> now I, I don't even actually have to bring any archetypes to the table at all because this is just how it's going. Totally. Oh, yeah. I just, Julie, the, 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 oh, just kidding. Only if it was a real kick-ass meal other, because I don't, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like that kind of sarcasm where there's a little sliver of truth in it. Like that, that's not what I mean by this. I was trying to come up with something off the cuff to, to play with. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Like there can't be any sarcasm or any hints of, of truth in, in this game. Like I'm not even recommending this game. Just was, we're just sharing about our process. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this game didn't work for me. Just like it wouldn't. I, I, I would mull over that sentence. Like, oh, he said that awfully easy this time. It didn't even seem like it was. Yeah, this game would not work for me. And and there are, you know, for me, it's when I feel actually in my body the sensations of unworthiness. I know exactly where it lands. It lands in the pit of my stomach and then it travels up into my throat and I can't even make words come out. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's like stifling um, and nauseating. And so feeling that unworthiness starting to rise up for me in relationship, it gives me an opportunity to like take a step back and to look at like, I don't actually have to be worthy according to anyone else, you know? So what is my thought and relationship with my own worthiness? And it gives me an opportunity to do, to do some work. And so my methods in, in regards to that would be like, oh yeah, like I, I really would like to hear, oh my God, these are the best vegan burritos I've ever eaten in my life. Like, what is it about wanting that and that reassurance? Um, and if I want reassurance to have the words and to not feel that lump in my throat and to just say, 
honey, you know what I need today? I'm going to need some reassurance today. Like, and, and authentic reassurance. So don't like, you know, search for something. And please, if something organically happens, it would be useful for me to hear that. And, and I'm also in my mind being like, oh, I did a great job with blah, 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 blah today. It's, it's my responsibility too. So you find like when those things come up for you in relationship and, and we happen to be talking about partnership right now. And I can say that the same kind of, of unworthiness for me will bubble up in regards to parenting. I mean, who hasn't experienced that? Like if you, if you have parented or co-parented or step-parented or, you know, you're the second caregiver, aunt, uncle, you know, and you haven't had a moment of like, oh, this is poking all my buttons of, you know, either not doing enough or being an epic failure, or I'm going to be, you know, kicked out of this family because I'm doing such a good, such a terrible job at this whole thing. Um, you know, that, that sounds miraculous because everybody I know that has the relationship of caregiving to a child in some way, shape or form has those triggers activated in them. Mm. it's hard it's really really hard so so again like what are my what are my ways of noticing when that rises up how do I feel it in my body and then what do I actually want what is my action around that like what can I do around that so I'm not wallowing in it or I'm not making assumptions about somebody else's uh, unworthiness is a tricky one when you're parenting. Cause like they get 12 and they roll their eyes at everything that you say. And you're like, see, see, unworthy, unworthy, terrible at everything. <laughs> what did that eye roll mean? I'm no longer cool. Oh, I was never cool. Oh my God. This is terrible. <laughs> um, I, two things for me, one of the, uh, the, one of the greatest life skills of devotion is being able to declare what you want in any given moment. Um, being able to make clear requests is, is, uh, such a, such a devotional life skill, um, in your relationships and in the realm of parenting, I think, um, one of the ways I just, I really love expressing devotion is through the, the space of, through the watchful space for where my children feel enthusiasm, listening, learning, listening as much as I can so I can understand what is their self view? What is their view of others? How do they, you know, and what is their, what are their worldviews and what do they value and cherish? Like that to me is, um, such a such a joyful way to experience devotion with with my children um and to really water their enthusiasm how can i how can i how can i serve maybe we can bring in love languages here because it's so relevant it is well and when we talked about last week that like you know asking the people in your life when do you feel that I am cherishing you? When do you feel that I am, you know, and, and being in that answer, you might have 
if you, if you did play this game over the last week, like let's say that you did, you might have even discovered a pattern if it isn't commonplace in your household at the dinner table to say, so what's your love language? Has it shifted? How are the, you know, cause I do also believe that love languages shift and change and move as, as human beings do. And someone's love language with their parents may be different than their love language with their best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think back frequently to being, you know, an, an adolescent and my love language with the adults that were contributing to my raising at that time uh, was a hundred percent gifts back then. Like that, like being able to go and buy me something that I liked and that was like me, that felt like love and, mm-hmm. and devotions to me. Mm-hmm. And yet with my best girlfriends, my love language was physical touch. Hundred, Like we were constantly holding hands, cuddling, like, <laughs> and this was with my, I know Danielle, you'd be like, um, with my <laughs> best girlfriends, like I, I actually came across a, an old, you know, those like, you go to the mall and you get the four pictures taken in the photo booth and it spits it out. Those are fun. I liked doing those. And those great. Well, I have pictures of like me and my best girlfriends from high school and we're like cuddling and we're like kissing and it was totally platonic. And I'm like, I don't know if everybody did this kind of stuff with their best friends in school because physical touch was so big for me. And only in friendship context, I never wanted to be touched or hugged by like other people in my life at that point. You know, it was very awkward and uncomfortable. So love languages can shift and change. It might be different with different partnerships. So it's a really fun inquiry and and question. So let me um, let me let y'all know where you can learn a little bit about love languages. It's a it's a conversation that we just we, I just I think it's brilliant. Gary Chapman is the author of the five love languages. Many of you may be familiar with this, and if not, I, yay! You're you're learning something new here. It's really brilliant work. You go to the lovelanguages.com website, and there's like do the test. And what it does is it maps out for you in order of what you enjoy the most. So he defined the five love languages as receiving gifts. And don't poop on that, friends, because that's not like for some people, like it doesn't have to be elaborate or expensive, right? It could just be like when Christopher goes to the grocery store, he, he'll like, we have a, we have a hold your hand out, like close your eyes, hold your hand out like a cup. And he, he brings me a, a new thing of honey. Like, you know, oh, I was at the Quickie Mart and there was honey or, oh, I was at Agway and there was like, you know, Gill's honey. Um, so there's receiving gifts, mm-hmm. there's um, physical touch, there's um, words of appreciation, there's quality time spent together and acts of service. And so you take the little test and it'll show you what you like to receive in the order of of highest to lowest. And it's really fun to have your partner and children take the test too, because the mistake that we oftentimes make in relationships is we want to give to the other person what your favorite love language is to receive. And that doesn't mean that like, that if, you know, I, I love acts of service, um, 
and um, and then words in second in second place. Now, of course, depending on the time of the month and where I'm on my moon cycle, physical touch. <laughs> Like that first week after my period, I'm like hot to trot. You know, it's like, whoop, physical touch goes right up to the top for solid seven days. Um, but, and Christopher's love language is physical touch, quality time. Like it's like, you know, our charts are kind of flipped. So, so for, for us, devotion is exhibited and expressed by knowing the other person's love language and, and honoring it, not from a place of I have to and should, from a place of I get to. Like this, this, this is how they love feeling cherished. Mm. Yes, yes. And, um, and it goes back to what we talked about, what we were chatting about last week and the, you know, treating people the way that they want to be treated and, um, and, and that it's tricky. Like just just being that interested alone to figure out what the people, how the people in your life want to receive love and most efficiently receive love too. Like, like the, the key just fits when, um, when you have the right one. And it's so beautiful to watch, um, you know, my, my children are a great example of this too. You know, my, my oldest one, hundred percent quality time. Like that go the straight to the top of the list, like do things, go on adventures together, spend time with one another. Um, that, you know, that's, that's the key. And middle one, all about those gifts, like being able to pick something out for her. She just will light up. And, um, and then the youngest is much more about words of affirmation, um, and quality time in, in the context of listening. Uh, it doesn't have to be like, doesn't have to be like, go anywhere, do anything. Just like, listen to me, you know, listen to me, tell you all the details of the thing that, that kind of quality time. And, and it really helps to know these things as well on, on occasions like birthdays, and holidays, you know, like I know that with my oldest forever on her birthday, I could get her a ton of things, whatever, going someplace on her birthday and doing something together or doing something as a family and spending all day like that just was, she just loved it. And you could see it in her face and in her affect and the way that she spoke about her birthday. Um, you know, it, it's, it's so much more easeful in the long run. Like it takes some background work and some paying attention. And then when you know these things, it, it, it certainly helps things flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not trying to search for the perfect gift for someone who's like, well, you know, we could give me a, a Lowe's gift card and I'd be good. You know, I could go buy my own stuff. <laughs> you're right, right. Kristen, I think you cover three love languages with watching hours of K-pop. Um, I think it covers um, acts of service, quality time, and gift. <laughs> <laughs> and if there's, you're close to snuggling. Physical touch. touch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. 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 So yeah, check and- love languages. You really get to know your kiddos. Oh my gosh. Like when you know love languages, your dosha, your constitutions, and the the enneagram, 
uh, you, you're, you're, you're set. You really, really have such a, a grasp of understanding your, yourself and others, the people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's the golden combination or the trifecta or whatever it is we can possibly call it because it, it gives you this wealth of, of information as a foundation and, and to really grow from there. And it really helps you move out of judgment and into compassion and understanding, you know, um, it, just think about some times where like maybe you were attempting to communicate love in a way that someone didn't receive love but like it can it can feel like you're um you know you're playing catch by yourself you're throwing the ball and it's landing on the ground and they're like <laughs> there's a ball on the ground right here what did what was I supposed to do with this? <laughs> like, no one's picking it up and throwing it back. Um, and, and that can be really, really frustrating. You know, I, I can't even imagine uh, with my middle one, she's just not a cuddler. She hasn't been a cuddler since she was really little. I love physical touch. Like, I love it. And if I just wanted to like squeeze her, hold her, hug her, and I was attempting to give her all the love that way, she's like, gosh, my mom doesn't get me at all. Like mm, that could be so frustrating and it can build that energy over time. Uh, so taking that, you know, how do you like to receive love? Do you know, what makes you have the experience of being full of love and devotion from someone else? Uh, and get some examples. And it'll probably be clear with or without the, the test, you could probably suss out some of these things by asking questions. Gang, do you have any questions for us about anything? You can just put it in the chat if you have a burning question. I don't know if I may have missed any. You can plop it in there because we can see. We can see comments. Yeah. Rewinding. If anyone has a burning question. Sometimes there's a little bit of a delay too. And we could just dip our toes in. Okay, let's do it. In the E word. Yeah. <laughs> because it is nuanced and complicated uh, to a degree. And um, so maybe this is like the penny version and we could even extra complicate things by throwing in some Ayurveda in there as well. <laughs> uh, because we did mention both of those things. And if you haven't been on this path with us for a while or taken our programming before, it might be like, what are they even talking about? This is a whole other language. All right, let's do it. We'll do the, we'll just do the broad strokes of, um, when we start with dosha, because that just know, know thy dosha. Know your dosha, your Ayurvedic dosha. So penny version is we all have a recipe that make up us. Um, and th this recipe is comprised of elements, um, earth, air, fire, water, space, or ether, whatever word works for you. 
you have your perfect recipe. And when your recipe is all laid out and balanced, it's like the best version of yourself. You feel the vitality in your being. You feel vitality in your thinking. You feel vitality in your connection to others. It, it, it's just a stream. And most of the time we're out of balance somewhere. So I just always want to say that because people think that like there's this, you know, extra goal to like be magically imbalanced all the time. And, and that's not mostly how it works. We're, we're usually navigating some kind of imbalance and some kind of course correct. That's totally normal and natural. You're not failing at Ayurveda. So uh, within these elements are three doshas or constitutions. Your constitution is either predominantly earth and water, which is kapha, air and ether, which is vata, or water and fire, which is pitta. So of these three constitutions, you have a dominant one, and, and then there's like a tear down, and then there's a tear down. And that could be any kind of, you know, balanced recipe for you. Relationship wise, it's important to understand these things because there are, there are patterns, there are ways of interacting that are um, pretty distinct based on what your dosha is. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I have many people in my life that are very fiery <laughs> and, and for me, as an earth person, so a kapha person, when I come up against somebody who has a lot of fire, a lot of pitta, it can sometimes be really jarring. And if I wasn't aware that this is, this is a part of their balanced energy system, balanced body system, I might take things a little bit more personally. Uh, the pittas in my life tend to speak really sharp and really direct. And I'm like, Oh, oh, it sounded a little harsh. I don't know why we're yelling. Why are voices raised? And, and it's just the fire. It doesn't have to mean anything. And I can say, hey, pizza person, <laughs> um, that's pretty sharp for me. So I, I need a minute to digest that for a second before I can respond. And, the, and those pizza people in my life might be like, yeah, and your slow way of speaking is driving me absolutely freaking bonkers. So speed it up here. We got shit to do. Um, so it, it's just yet another layer of awareness. And and first figure out your own stuff, and and then you'll you'll get to play with how those elements interact with other elements. I love it. So um, one of the places, and we'll we'll put all these things in the chat. Um, I like the free dosha test at um, the banyanbotanicals.com. And um, I, my, my personal preference is to suggest that you take the test twice. Once, kind of looking at your entire life mm -hmm. questions, and then take it a second time and answer the questions only as it relates to the last two-ish months. That way, um, and you'll see either the, the, the results will be identical or you'll see that there's that they're different 
and and um, it either could mean that there's an imbalance or that something is coming more into balance. I, I don't know, right? It'll, it'll but it'll just show you when the when the results are different. That's that's the indicator. Um, and and the three questions that I think you and Kim oftentimes invite people to to if you want to get a quick hit on what somebody's predominant uh, um, constitution is, it's how do you sleep? Mm -hmm. What happens when you get angry? What do you do, right? How do you behave? Um, and what's your digestion like? Yeah, how's your poop? Yep, those three questions, sleep, anger, and poop, will give you a real quick hit. Like if some, like if I, if, if, if somebody said, oh, well, this person gets really loud and like, you know, uh, that's in anger. Well, that's, that's not exclusively a, a, means they're a pitta fire person. And it's very likely. Right. And, and another way is to go, um, you know, what is your relationships and patterns around food and digestion? So the poop question can come up first. Um, how do you sleep? And, and then tell me about your relationship with intimacy, physical intimacy and sex, because that can lay out, you know, particularly when we're talking about in the context of relationships. That's fine. Let's talk about that. Oh, <laughs> this is actually what I want to write a book about is uh, Ayurvedic sex. <laughs> I, um, I was like, oh, I was like, oh, you're going to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The, the, like, so right on point. I got it. Yeah. Um, so tell us like, um, you know, the, the very, very, and this is general, we, you know, you have to remember that Ayurveda is an individual thing. So not everyone fits actually almost no one fits perfectly in a little box and you can notice where there's energy shifts kicking up or going down, um, based on some of these experiences. So Pitta people who have a lot of fire and water sex can be very quick, fiery, and passionate. It's like they could be doing the dishes one moment and then it's like, oh, sex is on the table, meaning in my brain right now, let's do it. All the causes and conditions are here because I had a thought about sex. Boom, let's go. And it can be very um, intense, very physical, very fiery in, um, I mean, when we think about like, the outlander movie scene sex where everyone's ripping each other's clothes off and like they, they sweep the desk clean. And that is pitta sex. Okay. Vata sex is, is deep and it's also very, um, very close and intimate. So when Daniela was talking about eyes and intimacy, what? when, that's like my, I'm very Vada right that's like my favorite sex it just is it's like where you're like all wrapped up and you're like right there and it's just mm. right <laughs> there's two options either we're like snakes yeah staring at one another like this right <laughs> or eyes are completely closed someplace else like direct connection to the divine to God Vata sex. Kapha sex. <laughs> this, this is not going to sound as sexy as either of those other two options. <laughs> Vata sex 
is crockpot sex. Okay. It's like, I sent a text two days ago where I think that sex might be a good idea in two days. <laughs> and we're maybe going to talk about it on and off a little bit. And then I'm going to take a bath and get nice and warm. And it, it takes quite a bit to get the engine going, if you will. And it will last a long time. So that can be the other thing about, about kapha sex is, well, we can't have sex. We only have a half an hour. Knowing full well, we're not actually going to be having sex for half an hour. And the whole experience will last a long time because then there's the after and then there's the cuddling and then there's the napping and then there's the functioning again, maybe tomorrow morning. So wanting to make sure that there is enough spaciousness for sex. Now I say these things and it doesn't mean that if you're Pitta, you don't know how to do Vata sex. It's, that's not it. It's being aware of what your natural tendency is so that you can communicate that, particularly if your partner has a different tendency so that needs are being met so that you can say, oh, oh, we were just making eggs and now you want to have sex? <laughs> okay, I need to, I'm going to need to go do some things before we do that, right? Like, and to just communicate and I will be efficient because I'm, you know, meeting, you're meeting your partner's needs where they are. And because we all have all of these elements very much alive in our bodies um, and in our emotional bodies as well, and our mental bodies as well, you can step into that fiery place with your partner. You can step into that airy space with your partner. You can slow things down into the crockpot zone uh, with your kapha partner. So it, it's awareness gives you so many more opportunities for communication, clear communication and communication that isn't blamey or charged. Like, oh, you know, like you only want to have sex when I'm trying to do laundry and feed the kids lunch. Like that's so rude. I don't have time for that. You know, like it, it comes from a different place of like, oh, okay. This is, this is when it occurs to you. Um, and it might be at like, 11 o'clock in the morning too, because it's pitta time of day. Um, so definitely that's a good time for that washing machine sex. <laughs> <laughs> or any time set. Like that's always my favorite. Yeah, okay. I, I have not put the two together. I'm like, my favorite time to have sex is like right after we take the dogs out for walks, so we've moved, like gotten everything going. And then like, I'll talk. And Chris, we'll just, I'll just talk like about, you know, two thirds of the way around the field. And I swear there's like a kissing spot. I'm empty because my love language is words, right? I'm like, blah, 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 blah. So my vada and my love language, and they're all empty. And then there's just no more words. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> and it's usually right around 11 too. So we, you know try not to schedule anything before 11 30. <laughs> right. right. And you get to like, know these things you get to know, like, this is how, you know, and again, I can go back to, we do ourselves such a disservice with like watching movies and reading these books because no one's like, Oh, my sex is crockpot sex. 
that's hot right so uh where are we gonna turn on the crock pot this week <laughs> that's not happening in sexy movies and books it's just not it's like rip off all the clothes throw everything off the desk do the thing it somehow lasts eight hours right and then it's tomorrow um so it's you know, it's it's another layer. And this I really do believe because there's a lot of aspects to relationship that can cause that squeeze. And intimacy is high up there. The way that we receive, the way that we initiate, all of those things are tied into our elements and their balance inside our body, you know? So uh, someone's got to bring some element of fire that that is present it doesn't mean you have pit of sex and there has to be an element of fire that passion that tapas and heat in order to spark whatever's going on next and however long it's taking and whatever the venue is of choice and the time of day this is so. gonna be such a great book like <laughs> you have to make a chapter or at least some part called hygiene is sexy mm. There will definitely be a hot, uh, yeah. And according to your dosha, because it will be different. Yes. You know, 100%. Yeah, yep. it will, it will have a huge, it does have a huge impact. And I think too, like, you know, times of life, times of life adds a whole other, you know, there is a vata time of life where we all, regardless of our dosha, get to the stage of life where we are Vata. Vata has things being kind of spacey. Like we said, we talked about like the depth of the intimacy in Vata time of life. And usually it's around the age of 60, 65 that Vata time of life kicks in like in full force and menopause. If you are a bleeding individual can have an impact on that. And, and the, the dryness of skin of bones of body is going to have an impact that like, so might as well just talk about it and, and make a plan rather than have it be this source of like shame or weird or what's going on, or is everything okay? Everything's great. We're just going to make a little adjustment. We need to invite in some earth into the, in, into the recipe and, um, and get that kapha going. I just love all of these, um, these awarenesses because with awareness the 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 quality of the conscious communication is so different it's a game changer and when you don't know the quality of communications is um is more accusatory is, is more harsh because, and it comes from an innocent place of, I just didn't know these things. I don't, I don't know. Um, so th these awarenesses when lived are so radically life-changing and relationship changing. Yeah. Well, and it definitely shifts our, our whole way of interacting with other humans because we only can know and experience what we know and experience until we intentionally ask and deepen into true empathy for someone else and with someone else and, and a longing to get in there and to have a different perspective. Um, 
you know, and, and of course it's natural as human beings to think, well, like this is how I experience the world. So probably other people experience it in this way too. And in fact, that's just not true at all. And it, you know, it's not your partner intentionally, you know, doing things that mess up your, your day. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's their way of being and interacting in the world. And, you know, we don't, we got sidetracked with, Ayurveda sex. Wait, no, no. We'll do we'll do an enneagram next week, and because there's a couple of qu- uh, qu- questions that'll bring us right to the to close. So Ariana has a question: Can doshas change with environment? I'm Vada husbands, or oh, I like that. I I wonder if that was an accidental S, or if we just have multiples. Uh, I'm Vada husbands, Pitta. All her okay. husband is Pitta. Yeah, but it was more fun to imagine like the other. What? Yeah, Ariana having to manage like all the husbands, Pitta, and both teenagers are very kapha, and I swear it's just to drive us crazy. So, do dosers change with environment? Environment meaning, um, like, like the literal environment that you live in, or environment being around other people. I might need some clarification with that. What? or would tell us a little bit more Ariana about environment while we wait for that. (laughs) I mean, what I can say right away is if you live in the Pacific Northwest and all of a sudden you move to, you know, Florida, yes, your, your balance will shift because you will be surrounded by different elements that will have an impact on the balance within your body. So if you are talking about actual environment, yes. Um, If you're talking about change with environment, hmm. (laughs) I mean, I just want to say we, we were just talking about this last night, uh, my, my family and I, um, we get our, we get the children that are here to help us learn something. You know, what would Vata and Pitta parents be able to learn from Kapha children? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. saying environment by temperament of others. Oh, like being around a Pitta person going to make you more Pitta. Uh no, and it will have an impact on your pizza for sure. The, the tricky part is it could go in either way. So a, a kapha child that has a very fiery parent, I'm going to speak from experience here, <laughs> can either have that child be inspired to step into their fieriness to match that energy, or it can go... I'm going to go in the opposite direction of this fire because it's too much and I don't like it. So, um, so it will have an impact. It doesn't actually change who you are though, because this is your perfect recipe, whatever that is. So it can tick you out of balance in either one direction or another. It doesn't change what your recipe is. Cause that's your recipe. Your kaffas are going to kaffa and, and then they're, you know, they're either going to move towards that fire, be inspired by that fire, right? What can kaffa children learn from pitta parents? to really, to get up and go, to do things, right? And then at times the fire will be too much and and they'll step away from it. And I love the, I love the practice of 
really focusing on what is the ex the extraordinariness of each dosha, because um, like Christopher is is I I believe, and we talked about this, you, me, and Kim. Um, I would peg him as Pitavata and his earthiness. I think she was right, uh, or either she said it or you said it. Like was more likely astrological, you yeah. know. Um, and I have the Vata Kapha. So Pitta has like both a, like a combusted, combustual <laughs> quality, which can be sometimes like inferno. Yet it also has these, it's, it's exquisite. So getting done without Pitta. Right, right, right. So, so you, we, it, it always, um, it's, it's, it's a great practice, a great devotional practice to really focus on the, the strengths of each constitution, especially if someone in your family dynamic has a strength of a constitution that, um, of a, of a dosha that you don't have much of, like, you know, bow to the feet of that teacher. Yeah. Um, Pitta people have tremendous, uh, so much to learn from Kapha. You can't always be pizza. You can't always be guys are healthy. It's not balanced. You, you, you. So, so, so know the exquisiteness of of your partner's strength mm -hmm. in their constitution because that's also for you to imbibe and receive and and learn learn from. It's here for a reason. It's in your field of awareness for a reason. And and to, you know, my oldest child is so pizza, and the way that she is able to very clearly speak to what she wants and needs in ever like since she was a little girl like her voice oh my god like such a beautiful lesson for me or she's so empowered she she has that like fierceness to her that is remarkable it's remarkable to watch so you know, deepening into that because we're, we're, it's easy to go to the place of irritation about something, right? It's easy to be like, oh, my, my Vata child, because I have one of each flavor. It's great. My Vata child, she'll be like, oh, I stopped over here because I needed something from you. And I'm like, what do you need? She's like, I don't know. <laughs> I love you know. And I'm here, you know, so what do I get to be with that? She doesn't remember what she needed. Or that she spontaneously stopped over and now I get to just see her cute face and love her. And, and, and that she's like, oh, I'll remember. It doesn't matter. The, the role with it, the flow, the being able to like release and, and to just allow what a gift and, and Vatas can give us. I mean, Daniela with like such beautiful inspiration that for me seems like it comes out of absolutely nowhere. And I'm just in awe of like the, the, the way that you're able to take inspiration and move with it like that. Like, oh, it, it's just so remarkable. I think I would think about what I maybe was inspired to do for like six years. And then maybe I'll make a plan and a chart about it or a spreadsheet. So, I'll make a Google Doc. You're so patient and generous with the other sides of like, it occurred to me the other day, how many texts that I send you start with, I don't remember if blah, 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 blah. Like, <laughs> like, cause memory is a, like,
and the lack thereof, you know, um, I'll remember what's what's important about other things, but like the some of the basics, I'm like, not sure if we just talked about that five minutes ago or yesterday or I don't know, but you're just so patient with like the and the long sentences that I do. Oh my lord, sweet Jesus, long sentences. <laughs> Have we? <laughs> And, but this, and this is where it's so beautiful to, to get to see these things in one another. And also to recognize that, I, you know, like I know that I can be slow and I can be like stuck in some ways and just, you know, inertia can set in. So it's important for me, like I'll, I'll remember all the details. I'll remember all the details as long as like, you know, Danielle is like, here's this inspiring, interesting, fun idea I had. And Christopher's like, let's go with it. Go, 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 go. I, got, I already got the landing page made. It's already on the Facebook. We got it. It starts tomorrow at noon. <laughs> yeah, I'll remember. Like that, that's, that's an easy task for me. So we, we find like, it's actually really balancing when the people that are in our our inner circles and mandalas are, you know, complementing what what maybe we lack for lack for lack of a better word right now. Something that we just don't come equipped with easily. And we're like, oh, that's another way of doing something. Thank God that that human beings don't all do things the same way. And this is going to lead right into next week talking about Enneagram as well, because it just it's another layer of, I don't have to be irritated because someone approaches something differently than, than the way that I do. I get to be inspired by that. I get to be uh, in awe of that because it's not my habit. And how we learn and grow is we step out of that comfort zone and we try on and we experience the way that other people do things. And, and it gives us so much information. Okay. That was gorgeous. The more to come. I love you guys. I love you, Jeannie. I love you. I love you. I love you. you Bye, friends.